Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message. We have a special guest this morning, Pastor Mark Allen. He's a dear friend of mine, a very gifted pastor. He leads a very successful church in Athens, Texas. Uh, Not only is he a very good pastor to his body, he's also a pastor of pastors. He leads a coaching group in our uh, ministerial uh, association of churches through Trinity Fellowship Church out of Amarillo. I've been privileged to be part of that group for a little over three years now, and he has uh, helped lead me and guide me as I've stepped into uh, the senior pastor role, and I'm so thankful for him and his relationship. Pastor Mark was led to found... Life Fellowship in Athens, Texas, uh, just short of 16 years ago. They're, they're about to celebrate their 16th birthday. They started on Palm Sunday in 2006 with uh, 30 people at their first service, and now they're running uh, a little over 1,200 a week. So God has greatly blessed them and their community, and they are continuing to minister to Athens, Texas, and the entire surrounding area. God has blessed Pastor Mark, his family, and Life Fellowship, and continues to bless them as they reach their community and bond beyond for Jesus Christ. Will you join me in welcoming Pastor Mark as he shares the word this morning? Here with you guys today. I love your pastor. I love both your pastors. I got to know Pastor Daryl probably first. I don't know where. I know he was here just a moment ago. I don't know. Where's Pastor Darrell? Is he? There he is, way back there. He's he's being a Baptist today, so we're we're praying for freedom. We're praying for freedom. I got to know Pastor Darrell quite a few years ago. I think the first time I ever attended a TPAC event, which if you guys don't know, you're a part of TPAC, which is Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches, and it's just a tremendous organization, and uh, has helped me uh, helped me to know how to grow. And Pastor Darrell was a part of that, and then I got to know Chris a few years ago, and. Man, you guys are very, very blessed with great leaders here. So can we give it up for your pastors today? Well, I want to talk to you today about learning how to trust God. I think there's nothing more important than trusting the Lord. Now, I'm talking about trusting Him with everything. Uh, most of us, if you don't know, I actually was, uh, I went fishing this week. And, uh, you know, I trust the Lord every time I go fishing. I just trust God for a big fish every time, you know. And uh, we were driving. Uh, we were driving out. It's actually almost about 45 minutes from where uh, I live, and we were driving past several churches. And one of the churches had it on their marquee. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so, if you don't know that passage, uh, you ought to know. I think every Christian ought to commit that to memory. It says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him." And what does it say? And He shall. You know the verse, right? He's going to direct your path. But you know the first part. It says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart." Do you know that God wants you to learn to trust him? Uh, let, let me just ask, how many of you are believers? You know Jesus says you're Savior. Can I see your hand real quick? Awesome, fantastic. How many of you, so you, I would say, if you raised your hand just now, you would say, I'm trusting the Lord for my salvation. Can we agree with that? You, I'm trusting the Lord for my salvation. Amen? So listen, but listen, it's not just, uh, Christianity is more than just salvation. You need to know that. And by the way, most important decision you'll ever make is to learn to trust the Lord for your salvation, you need to know that. That he has eternity secure for you. You need to learn how to trust God for that. But do you know that God also wants you to learn to trust him uh, with your time? Right? I mean, I just, you know, time is precious. And uh, they're not making any more of it. And you get a limited amount of it. And there's only been one or two times in Scripture where the Bible gave them more time. I don't know if you know that or not. There was one time where God calls the sun to stand still. Wouldn't that have been an awesome day to, to look at, you know? The sun was caused to stand still. But very few times that we find where God gives you more time, you have to, it's appointed that a man wants to die. 
There's an appointed time that you're going to meet your creator one day. Uh, we're not given any more time. I don't know how much time we have. I think, the reality is, I think the Lord is coming soon. I mean, just pay attention to culture. Just look around at what's happening. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. And I believe that. I believe no man knows the day or the hour. But it does say you'll know the season. It feels a lot like seasons are changing. You know, you can know seasons right now. You know, uh, you know, you, you, just a few weeks ago, in fact, last week, it was cold. Have you, did y'all get cold weather down here where you were? I mean, we're only, you know, maybe a couple hours north of where you are on, on the latitude line. But can, just think, it, it was cold now, 80 to 85 degrees when I was fishing on Friday. And uh, so, man, it was, I mean, just hot. You can just tell when the seasons begin to change and uh, trees begin to put forth buds and pollen. You're, you know, I have a black truck. And so, you know, it, this time of the year it starts turning yellow. Anyone know what I'm talking about with that, right? And so, you know, you can just tell the seasons are changing. I don't know how long we have, but I think the seasons are changing. And the Bible says you'll know the season of his return. I feel like it's close. And the question is, are you ready? And, you know, it's interesting that in Scripture, Jesus asked a question. It's really the only question that he asked about this generation. He says that when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Now, I, just, I want to say that. Just think of it to me for a minute. Someone says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Every believer has faith. Yes, but do you fully trust the Lord? I'm talking about do you trust him not just with your salvation, but do you trust him in all things with all your heart. So I want to talk about a very difficult subject today. It's a subject, for some reason, that causes people to get angry. Are you all ready? Isn't this encouraging? Aren't you excited today? But for other people who are involved and they're, in, and they're doing it, God, it's like when you, as soon as you speak it, people are like, yes, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I want you to be blessed. How many of you like to be blessed? How many of you like to live a blessed life? All right, so I want you to be blessed. So I say, how do I do that? Okay, I want to talk to you today about the subject of tithing. Isn't that interesting? Boy, it was like, ooh, here we go. Isn't it funny how we start talking about money and all of a sudden something rises up within us? And I'll, you'll actually see some verses that will help you understand why that happens, okay? So, but I want to tell you, if, listen, isn't it interesting we trust God for our salvation? We're going to trust God for our eternity, where we're going to go one day. We're going to trust God for a God who can create streets of gold. But we can't even trust him here on earth with the money that he's given us here. And I want you to learn how to trust God. And I, just, I believe that if you can learn how to do this, it'll change your life. I want you to think about it for a minute. You know that passage? Anyone ever heard the verse that says uh, that where your heart is, there your treasure will also be? Ever heard that? No, you haven't. It doesn't exist. You know what it says? It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It doesn't say where your heart is. It says where your treasure is. Listen, I'm telling you, if you can't trust God with your treasure, you aren't trusting him for anything. Because where your treasure goes, God knows if, you ha if he has your heart or not. Are y'all following me with this? Okay, so I'm gonna get, I've got five points, five simple points. Uh, and so here they are. Let me give it to you. So we're going to talk today about myths about tithing. Here's what I found out about tithing. A lot of people believe certain myths about tithing. And so I want to give you five myths that I've heard other people say to me over the years. And, I, and as soon as they said it, I went, huh, that's interesting. I need to find out if that's true or not. And by the way, a myth is always something that's false. Okay, it's not true. Okay, 
And so we don't live in a mythological world as Christians. How many of you are glad for that? In other words, the, the, the story of the cross is true. It's not a myth. Jesus is not a myth. There really was a Jesus. There really was a Jesus who was the chosen one, who really was the Messiah, the one who laid down his life for you. It is not a myth that he went to the cross. It is not a myth that he was resurrected from the dead. And in just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. Are you all ready for that? So listen, what we believe about the Bible is not a myth. But there are myths that get told among Christians, and other Christians believe the myth because it, it makes it easier to... to uh, to go, well, I don't have to tithe because of these reasons, okay? So I'm going to give you five myths that I've heard about tithing. Here's myth number one. If I plant oranges, I will get bananas. Now, how many of you know if you plant an orange seed, you will not get bananas? How many, how many of you know that? Are y'all like among, I mean, just like six people went, oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's like the question, I don't want to get too political, but you know, you don't know what a woman is. Can't define a woman. Okay. How many of you know that if you plant orange seeds, you will not get bananas? How many of you know that? Okay, someone says, well, what, what kind of myth is that about tithing? Okay, think about this for a minute. You, I hear people all the time make this little statement. Well, look, look, Pastor, I know God blesses me. I don't give money, but I give my time. I give my service to God, and that's my tithe to God. Okay, listen, listen to me very carefully. You don't understand the principles of reaping and sowing. For whatever you reap, that will you sow. Uh, sorry, whatever you sow, that will you reap. You're, would you all agree with that? Okay, listen, I believe that if you plant time, God will bless your time. If you plant service, God will bless your service. But just because you plant service does not mean that God's going to bless your finances. If you want your finances blessed, guess what you have to plant? Money. It's not a hard thing, right? I just want you to get that. So what you reap is what you will... What you, sorry, what you... I will get that backwards here. What you sow is what you reap. Okay, well, let me show it to you real quick. Okay, let's go all the way back to Genesis. And in chapter 1, this is the whole principle of reaping and sowing. God started this. So in verse 11 it says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit. Watch this. They're bearing fruit after another kind. Is that what it says? Okay, what does it say? After their kind. In other words, you plant oranges, you get oranges. Right? Uh, if I plant peaches, I'm going to get peaches. Uh, after their kind. And it says, uh, with seed in them, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plant yielding seed after their kind. And trees bearing fruit with seed in them. How? After their kind. Notice, he keeps repeating it. It's always after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay, so someone says, well, what does that have to do with money? Okay, let's go to the New Testament. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever, 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 just... I hope you see, is that on the screen? Look, it's underlined. Whatever, whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Can we agree with that verse? Okay, so what you sow is what you get back. If you sow oranges, you get oranges. If you sow time, you get time. If you, listen, if you sow service, you're going to get blessings on service. But listen, if you want your finances blessed, you have to sow 
finances. Are y'all with me on that? Someone says, well, that's not talking about money. Well, let me show you a verse that's talking about money. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, talking about a gift that they were preparing to send to Jerusalem. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Now this I say, Paul says, He who sows sparingly, and it's, it was about a money that they were going to send to Jerusalem, he who sows sparingly into this gift will reap sparingly. In other words, if you go, well, pastor, I threw a penny in the offering plate. Well, may you reap what you have sown. Because you sparingly sowed, so sparingly you will reap. In other words, little blessing comes with little. Do y'all see this? Bounty. He goes on to say this. And he who sows bountiful, how many of you want the blessings? If you if you sow bountifully, if you sow much, will also reap bountifully. And then I like this next part because I want you to catch what happens. He says, each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart. <clears throat> Watch this. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. <coughs> For God loves what? Okay. In and interesting, Paul understood something. He knew as soon as he started talking about money, there was going to be those who begrudged it. You know, that's how we say amen when we don't like things, right? I can't believe they're saying this. So here's what he's saying. He, he realizes that as soon as you bring up money, it starts touching something. Okay, here's what Paul knows. That as soon as you start pulling on this, it pulls here. There's a string attached to your heart and that causes pain when you have to give it away. Are y'all, do y'all see this? Okay, and Paul says, don't do it grudgingly. Okay, listen, for years I gave under compulsion. I gave a tenth because I knew I was supposed to. And God knew it because God knew my heart. But there came a moment where I gave my treasure and said, I love doing this so much. I'm so grateful God has given me the opportunity to do this. And guess what? My heart followed it. I want to challenge you to get your heart in the right spot. And the way you do that is you begin to give your treasure back to the Lord, and he gains your heart. Are you all with me on this? Two or three people. All right, so watch this. Number two. Number two. Here's the myth. It doesn't matter when I give my tithe, just as long as I do it. doesn't matter when I do it, just as long as I do it at some point, as long as I get to it. Okay, let me show you. That's a myth. God is not interested in seconds. God wants your first. Love that Pastor Darrell last week preached on first. Listen to me. God is interested in your first. He's not interested in leftovers. Now, I, love, I feel like my heart and God's heart are the same. I'm just telling you. I, I don't know about you. I don't like leftovers. I just have never liked leftovers. I, I mean, I like it the first time it comes out of the oven. I don't like that it goes in the refrigerator, gets cold, and then I have to stick it in the microwave, and it just does not taste the same. I'm just telling you. I like first. But, you know, the Lord doesn't like leftovers. So I just say, my heart is like the Lord. The Lord does not like leftovers. Okay, listen to me. God wants the best, the first. I remember when I was a, a kid, my dad loved gardening. I'm a terrible gardener. I, everything I grow dies, but my dad could grow stuff. And I remember the first tomato that would come out of the garden. I remember my dad would say, that's the first. The first belongs to the Lord. And my dad would take the first out of his garden, and he would take it to church and he would give it to other people who were in need. 
We, we planted that garden. My brother and I, we worked that soil. We, 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 we took the horse manure and we mixed it in. My dad says, we're giving that first away. Because my dad understand, understood the principle of first. Y'all understand that? So listen, God's interested in the first. And when you give the first, God says, I can bless that. Okay, watch this. Uh, let me show it to you. Genesis chapter 4. And in verse 3 it says, and you remember Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. You remember the story. But have you ever thought about why God blessed Abel and did not bless Cain? Okay, watch this. Uh, verse 3. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. I want you to notice those words. In the course of time. Do you notice that? Okay, watch this. Verse 4. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry in his countenance self. So someone says, why did God not like Cain's offering, but he liked Abel's offering? And someone, you know, you'll hear this religious answer. Well, because the Lord was looking for a lamb. He was looking for a sacrifice that came from the flocks. And he was looking for, uh, because Cain brought from vegetables, God didn't like that he brought vegetables. God didn't like vegetables. God, God, God likes meat. He doesn't like vegetables. Okay, that's not the case. Hey, amen. I'm, I'm with you, brother. But that's not the case. Because we find when we get into the law, and we get into the book of Exodus, that he says, bring of the first of your crops. Bring of the fruits of your fields. Bring of the, of the first of your flocks. Okay. You know what the problem was? It had nothing to do with that he brought fruits because he was a gardener. It had everything to do that he didn't do it first. He did it in the course of time. And he brought his leftovers to God. And God says, I have regard for Abel because he trusted me with the first that was produced from his flocks. And Cain said, if I have enough, I'll bring that to God. God says, I have no regard for that. I can't bless that. God wants the first. Are you all with me? So listen, we've learned that lesson a long time ago. My wife and I, uh, I get paid once a month. I get on the first of the month. I get my paycheck. My wife uh, writes all the checks. We used to do checks all the time. Now, uh, COVID kind of came in. It made it easier for us to learn how to give online. We had never given online, so we give online now. And so as soon as she gives online, instantly it sends me an email saying, this is, you just gave, and here's how much you gave. And so my wife is so it's so important to her. She, and she and I both have such a value in giving that oftentimes I will see uh, my giving report come into me before we even get to the first of the month. It'll be the 28th, the 29th, the 30th day, and boom, I go, whoa, we just gave. I hadn't even gotten my check yet. Because my wife believes that we're trusting God for everything. And, I, and by the way, someone says, well, you just don't understand my, my finances, Pastor. You listen... I don't know if I could, I couldn't live on, ni uh, on 90%. Listen to me. You'll do better on 90% blessed than you'll ever do on 100% cursed. So you've got to start learning to trust God with the first things. Are you with me? Hey, amen? Hey, we're getting there. We're more and more tithers all the time. All right, here we go. By the way, verse 6 says, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Isn't it interesting? We get angry when we start talking about money and the first. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? Verse 7, If you do well, and let me say it differently. If you'll do right, if you just do right, if you do it the right way, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do well, he says, if you do not do well, watch this. He says, sin is crouching 
at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. I believe a lot of people are living under a curse because they don't realize something is crouching at the door. You're giving an opportunity to the enemy to come into your life because you won't give the first to the Lord. Okay, here's number three. Here's the third myth. Someone says, well, pastor, I don't tithe because we live under grace and we don't live under the law. Have you ever heard that one? We live under grace. We don't live under the law. Well, I am so glad you brought that up. Can I just show you something that I think is important we understand about this grace and law thing? In fact, in a minute, I'm going to get you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 so that you can take a look at it. I want you to see it in your own Bible, okay? So Matthew 5. But let me just tell you this. Okay, first of all, we need to understand something. The law did not come into effect until you get to the book of Exodus. There was no law prior to the book of Exodus. Please hear me about that. The law did not get instituted until Exodus. So in Genesis chapter 14, which can we, can we, would you agree Genesis 14 predates the law? Okay, listen, tithe predates law. In other words, it supersedes the law. It's, it was there before there was a law given. Genesis 14 verse 18 says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem... Now, I just want to pause right there. If you don't know who Melchizedek is, you'll have to do a little study. You'll see a little bit more about it today. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Let me help you with that. Salem in Hebrew, the word Salem is the word in Hebrew, shalom. Uh, you're gonna, you'll catch this in a minute, all right? So, shalom. Shalom. Let, uh, there's a city today that's in the same place that the king of Salem was the king of. By the way, no one lived in Salem. He had no one lived in Salem. There was a king of Salem and no one lived there. Okay? Uh, Salem is Shalom. The city today that would be the same city is the city we call Jerusalem or Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Do y'all follow that? Uh, Salem or Shalom. You, you go to Israel and someone sees you, they'll say Shalom. They don't say hello. They, uh, they don't say how are you. They say Shalom. Okay, you know what Shalom means? Peace. He was the king of peace. I don't know if you know who this is. Let me say it another way. Do you know the prince of peace? You want to know who, Shalom, you want to know who the king of Salem was? You want to know who Melchizedek was? This is Jesus. Okay, and so let me just, let me show, you'll see more before we finish today. But watch this. Jesus comes out, and what does he bring? He brings out what? Bread. And wine, by the way, predating the law, predating Passover, Jesus brings communion. Does that blow your mind? Jesus comes out and says, remember, it was Jesus who says, this bread represents my body. This wine represents my blood. I hope that blows your thinking just a little bit. That predates the law. And yet we still do it. Are y'all with me on that? Okay, watch what happens. He brings bread and wine. Now, he was the priest of God Most High. He blessed him. Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram, he gave him a tenth of all. Predating the law, 
He gave a tenth of everything he had to who? Jesus. Do you all see that? Is that pretty cool? Okay, so I want you to picture that story. Now, someone says, well, Pastor, that doesn't mean that we don't live under grace today. Okay, you're right. So let's talk about, again, that predates the law. Let's talk about grace for just a minute. Okay, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to see this. It's very important. Look with it. Matthew 5. And I, again, I'm going to paraphrase several verses, but I want you to look at them as I paraphrase them. Because, again, I want you to go, that pastor told the truth. Okay? It's important. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 21. He says, you've heard it that it was written, depending on what version you have, or that you've seen in the ancient writings, depending on what version you've re- you're, you're reading. He said, you've heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. Do you all see that in verse 21? Look at the very next verse, and he says, but I say to you, uh, if you have hatred in your heart for your brother. Do you see that? Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you shouldn't murder under the law. But, uh, but I say to you, New Testament, under grace... If you have hatred in your heart for your brother, you've already murdered. Okay, what am I trying to show you? That the standard of the law is like this, but under grace it's more. Do you all follow that? Okay, if you don't think that's what we're saying, look at verse 27. And I'm going to read this. I'll I'll read it exactly the way it says it. Verse 27. He says this. Uh, He says, You have heard that it was said. You shall not commit adultery. Here's the standard the law brings. You've heard that it was said. You've heard that it was written. The ancient writings said, you shall not commit adultery. How many would you agree that adultery is under the law? Well, we don't live under the law anymore, Pastor. Do y'all see what I'm saying? How silly it is when we say, well, we don't live under the law anymore? Okay, he says, under the law, you've heard that it was said, y'all shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, he says, but I'm telling you, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman for, with lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Do y'all see that? Here's what he's saying. My standard is even higher. If you've even done it in your heart, you've already committed adultery. It's a higher standard under grace. Are y'all with me on this? Okay, watch this. Again, just stay right there. Look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, you should not, uh, he says, under the law, you've heard it written. Uh, you've seen the ancient writings. Thou shalt not have a false, you shouldn't make a false vow. In other words, you make a commitment to do something, but you don't keep it. You should not make a false vow. That's under the old writing. Jesus said, I would say to you, if your yes isn't yes and your no isn't no, you shouldn't even make a no. Notice that the standard is higher. Uh, look over uh, down just a little bit further. Look at verse 38. He says, you've heard it said in the law, uh, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Do you, do you see this? And what he says is, uh, he says, I'm saying to you, though, that you ought to learn how to, to forgive. And then look down to verse 43. He says, love your neighbor. Under the law, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Did you know that was in the law? But Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemy. Okay, do you see that the standard under grace is higher? Two or three people see that. I mean, I don't know how to make it any clearer to you that the standard under the... Listen, here's what he's saying. If you say, well, I live under grace, great. The standard for tithing is bigger under grace than it was under the law. Are y'all with me? Okay. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. The rest of you can say, oh, me. Okay, so watch this. Again, that's that's number three. Here's number four. Uh, Someone says, here's the myth. I can tithe... To wherever I choose. 
the reason I bring this one up, because I hear people all the time, they'll say, you know, on, on our platform at our church, uh, we don't, uh, we're, we're very careful about letting anyone on our platform who uh, doesn't tithe. Someone, someone says, why? Because we check, and by the way, we check every single worship team member. We check them regularly to make sure they're tithing. Someone says, why, why do you do that? Because I won't have a thief leading my congregation. I mean, would you want me to put a thief in front of you to say, boy, and they steal from God? Listen, if they steal from God, don't you know they'll steal from you too? And by the way, if they're stealing from God there, they'll steal your time and tell you things you don't want to hear. So we're very careful about who we put in front of people. Uh, by the way, I believe that so much so. Uh, this, by the way, I didn't introduce this. This is my daughter, Anna, and my son-in-law, Blake. Uh, love them, love these guys dearly, and uh, I believe this so much. Blake uh, works in our ministry uh, there in Athens, and Anna works for our ministry there in Athens, and they do a tremendous job. But I remember a little over a year ago, uh, Blake called me or came and saw me and says, "Hey, could we go to, uh, could we go one morning and go have coffee someplace?" And I knew when he did that, I thought he's about to ask if he can marry my daughter, and I said, "Absolutely." He walked out of my office. I got online and I checked his tithe. Someone says, why would you do that, Pastor? Because I won't have a thief marry my daughter. How many of you would like to make sure your daughter didn't marry a thief? Call your pastor and say, I need you to check this boy out. <laughs> so, listen, someone says, I, we hear people all the time, they'll say, well, listen, we, listen, I don't tithe here I don't tithe the Life Fellowship. I, I give, we tithe all the time. We just give it to all different kinds of places. Okay, listen to me. It's actually a myth. It's a lie that you've believed. Because the Bible actually tells you where your tithe belongs. Can I show it to you? Malachi chapter 3 says this, verse 10. Bring the, how much of the tithe? Some of it, part of it, whatever you feel. What does it say? Bring the whole tithe. That means all. By the way, the word tithe in Hebrew means tenth. Same word, tenth. Bring the whole tenth, not part of the tenth, not one percent of the tenth. Bring the whole tenth into the storehouse. Okay, where are we to bring it? The storehouse. I'll help you with knowing where that is. So that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessing until it overflows. God says, if you'll do this, if you'll bring it to my, to my storehouse, You'll bring it to that place, I will make it overflow. Your wind, the windows of heaven will pour in you, and you'll have a blessing that will overflow. You cannot imagine how much God wants to bless you, okay? And you all said this morning, boy, I'd sure like to be blessed. Okay, listen, I'm telling you how to do it. Watch this. So someone says, well, where's the storehouse? How do we know what the storehouse is? Well, the Bible tells us that. We don't have to try and make something up. Here's the storehouse. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. You shall surely tithe all. Okay, let me help you. This, is, this text is written in Hebrew. Do you know what the word all means in Hebrew? Boy, someone has taught you well. <laughs> Hebrew, in Hebrew, all means all. That's all that all will ever mean. Okay, I just, you can tell someone, I know some Hebrew, all right? So I, I know a little Hebrew and he owns a coffee shop. So anyway, all. Okay, so here, I want you to get this. He says, you shall surely bring the tithe, all the tithe. He says, surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. Again, again, notice, remember, Cain brought from the field, and he says you can tithe from the field. The problem with Cain was not that he 
didn't bring from his fields, that he brought it in the process of time. And here's what he's saying. You should bring the tithe, the first tenth, to me. Verse 23. Okay, what about this storehouse? You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God. Here's the storehouse. At the place where he chooses. Do y'all follow this? Watch this. He chooses to establish his name. The tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So the storehouse is the place where God chooses to establish his name. Let me help you with that. Uh, New Covenant Church is not the place where God has chosen to establish his name for Mark Allen. The place where God has chosen his, to, to establish his name for me and my household is in Athens, Texas at Life Fellowship. For you, the place where God has chosen to establish his name is right here where you worship him. Do y'all follow that? And if you tell me, well, this isn't the place where God has established for me, go find that place. We send you in all of God's love. Stop taking up the air. You're in the wrong place. Is that okay for me to say that, Pastor Chris? Are you okay with that? Okay. Because <laughs> here's what I want you to understand. When God's people all catch this, and we all start getting involved in this. Wouldn't it be great if we saw the kingdom of God break loose all over Lampasas? When all of God's people catch this, it will break loose. And I'm telling you, listen, you right now you're running like 5% of, of Lampasas. That's, I don't know if you know that. That's like phenomenal. You may not, that, you talk about your miracle on miracles. That's a miracle that you're running 5%. There are very few churches on the, in the United States that run 5% of their population. But listen to me. When this, listen... When you all catch the idea of tithing, you don't have to worry about 5% anymore. You'll have 6% and then 7% and then 8% and then 9% and then 10% and then 11 and then 12 And you're going to be like, whoa. Because listen, people are attracted to where the presence of God begins to establish himself. And by the way, when God's people realize God has established himself here and here's where my treasure will be, listen, your heart will be there. And when your heart gets here, God says, now I can do something for you. Is that pretty good? Man, I'm excited. Okay, and you're going to learn to fear the Lord. That's what that verse says. You'll learn to fear the Lord. Okay, here's number five. Tithing, here's what people say. Tithing's not mentioned in the New Testament. Have you ever heard that myth? Tithe, it's just not mentioned in the New Testament. The Bible never talks about tithing in the New Testament. Okay, if I could show you one verse, just one, would it be enough if I showed you one verse in the New Testament, and would it be enough if Jesus said, you should tithe. Would you tithe if Jesus said you should tithe? I know some of you are like, I'm scared to answer that question. Okay, let me show you. Look with me. Matthew 23. I want you to look. Look at Matthew 23. 23. I want you to see it. Matthew 23. 23. How many of you have a lead, a lead, a red lettered Bible? How many of you have it? Okay, when they, when they write it in red, we know Jesus said it. Amen? 
So that's why I look at it, and it's going to be in red. Okay? Hey, Jesus said this. Okay, watch this. Look at verse 23. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said to the most religious people of the day, by the way, you know the people who have the biggest struggle with tithing? Religious people. Because their hearts, their hearts haven't gotten with God. And Jesus said, you're hypocrites. Okay, you know what their hypocrite was? Here's what he said. He says, you know what? You, you, they understood tithing. Because they knew there were some principles about tithing. He says, for you tithe. You tithe mint. These are, these are garden items. You tithe mint and dill and cumin. Did y'all catch that? They tithe. They're tithing from what they get. You tithe it and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law. Okay, what was the weightier provisions of the law? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Do y'all follow that? Here's what Jesus said. You're doing the tithe. Great. But you should be also putting in justice and mercy and faithfulness. We get caught up right there and say, well, Jesus said they should be doing justice, faithfulness, and mercy. But notice what Jesus says next. But these are the things you should have done. They should have done justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And here's what Jesus says, without neglecting the others. You know what Jesus said? You should tithe. And make sure you don't neglect justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He assumed that people who knew him and trusted the Lord would be tithing. Don't neglect it. Don't stop doing it. Make sure you also put in it, sprinkle it with love and grace and faithfulness and mercy and justice. Make the, let the fruits of the Spirit overflow in this, but make sure, he says, don't neglect. Don't stop tithing. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, says, or look at it this way. We pay our tithes. This is Paul. I believe it's Paul. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but in my opinion, I think it's Paul. I think Paul didn't write his name on the book of Hebrews. The only, if it is Paul, it's the only letter he didn't put his name on. And so we don't know it's Paul, but there's some language in Hebrews that kind of leads me to believe it's Paul. So I, and here's one of the things. That someone says, why wouldn't he put his name on it? Well, because remember, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And all his letters are to the Gentiles, but this is written to Hebrews. And Hebrews, typically, when they would write scripture, they didn't put their name on it. I think it's Paul writing to Jewish people. He says, we pay our tithes, Jews, Hebrews. We do it. We understand the importance of tithing. And when we pay them, he says, we pay our tithes to priests who die. Some of you are like, you know, we're not really giving it to Jesus. We're really just giving it to New Covenant Church. We're, we're giving it to, we're trusting pastors that one day they're going to die. But Abraham paid tithes to a priest, the scripture says, lives. Okay, listen. Who did Abraham pay tithes to? Melchizedek. Y'all with me? Who he says lives. You know who lives? Jesus. Abraham paid tithes to someone who's going to live forever. Jesus. Watch this. Ultimately, you could even say, that since Levi descended from Abraham, who paid tithes to Melchizedek, when we pay our tithes to the priestly tribe of Levi, they end up with Melchizedek. 
You're not giving money to the New Covenant Church. When you give, you're actually giving it to Jesus. You're saying, Lord, here it is. You know, I had to come to the place in my life a few years ago where I realized I wasn't giving God 10%. I was giving 10%, but I had to realize I wasn't giving my 10%. You know what I found out? Everything that I have, all that I am, it all belongs to Him. 100%. What God says is, I've given it all to you. I'm only asking that you would return the first tenth. That you give it back to me. It's like someone walks up to you and they hand you a $100 bill. They say, would you hold this for me? Does it belong to you? No, you're holding it for someone else. And then they come to you and say, you know what? I'm going to let you keep 90 I'm just asking that you give $10 back to me. That's how I see every paycheck. Y'all see that? It all belongs to God. I don't belong to myself anymore. I have a Savior who has given me everything I have. Why would I not return to Him what belongs to Him in the first place? And then there came a moment where... God started speaking to us about 15 years ago. I was, in a, I was in a service in a church, and I heard a pastor speak on tithing. And we were, we'd been tithing for a long time. We'd been given a tent. It was in that service. And he got to the end, and he says, What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And I heard the Holy Spirit so clear say that. At least I heard the same thing that day, by the way. My wife heard the same thing. Heard him say, You know, you've been given a tent a long time. I want you to learn to trust me with and I remember talking to Lisa after that service. I, I feel like the Lord's saying we need to start doing 11%. For a year, we gave 11% thinking, I don't know how we're going to do this. But we gave 11 We got to the end of that year, and I said, wow, hadn't God been good? You know, I think we ought to give 12 And then it was 13 And then 14 And then 15 now, Lisa and I, we give over 25% of our income back to the Lord. It's like you can't outgive God. And by the way, God gives you more, not so that you have more to have. He gives you more so that you have more to give. And if He can trust you in a little, He can trust you in a lot. But if He can't trust you with a little, why would He give you more? Do y'all follow me with this? So listen, I'm telling you, I want you to be blessed. You say, why do you bring a message like this, Pastor? Not because I'm trying to get you. I'm bringing a message like this because I want you to be blessed. I wish every member of the church would be blessed. Blessed bountifully and abundantly. But you have to make the right choices. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment? I want you to ask the Lord, right where you're seated, Holy Spirit, just say this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just ask Him. some of you, you've been tithing for a while, and I just believe, I've been praying, I was praying about it earlier this morning, I woke up about 5 a.m., started praying for this service, and I just feel like some of you this morning, the Lord is saying to you, you've been tithing for a long time, but it's time to make a bigger step of faith. You've gotten comfortable with the tenth. 
I want you to trust me with more. Tithe and offering. The question is, will you say yes? It's going to take faith. For some of you, you're here today and you've never tithed. You're scared. Listen, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. It's the enemy he's trying to speak into your life right now, saying you'll never make it, you'll never have enough. But listen, do you know my God? Do you know Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? Do you know him? He'll take care of you. He's your provider, not your employer. Will you trust the Lord? Or maybe you're here today and the Lord's speaking to you about you don't have a source. There's no Melchizedek in your life. There's no Jesus that exists in your life. Maybe today needs to be the day you make the commitment to say, Lord, I begin to trust you today with all my heart. Whatever God's calling of you, will you say yes to him? And if you're here today and you have a need, we want to pray for you. Whatever your need is, I don't know what it is, but listen, I've got a God who knows every heart, knows every circumstance. And if you're here today and you have a health issue, or you're here today and you have a financial issue, or you're here today and you have a family issue, or a marriage issue, can we pray for you? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, whatever it is that you need prayer for, no one's looking around, would you just hold up your hand nice and high so we can see it? Just hold it up. No one else is looking around. Some of our pastors are watching. We're praying over you right now. Keep it up nice and high so we can just call your names out before the Lord. And if we don't know your name, the Lord knows. Keep it up. And I'm going to pray over us. And we'll get ready to close. Father God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person who has a hand up today. Father, I pray for boldness and courage for their hearts to obey you in every area. For some, to learn to trust you in the tide. For some, for health issues. For some, for family issues. For some, for marriage issues. And I pray that you'll bless every decision in this room that causes us to respond with obedience to you and with faith. For it is impossible to please you without faith. So today we step into it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for letting me be with you today. My, my goodness, that was a good word. At New Covenant Church, we ask you to know, hear, and respond. You now know what the Word of God says about tithing. I believe during that prayer, you heard God tell you what you need to do about that. Let me challenge you right now. Do the third step. Respond. We have offering boxes located around the auditorium, outside in the lobby. There's envelopes on there. If you want a record of your giving, put it on there. If, you, if God knows your record and that's good enough, just put it in the box. God's provision is so great and so endless, you cannot predict what he will do for you. He, he, he brings provision to your life outside the realm of your understanding. I'm on a fixed income. I tithe. 
God's provision is amazing. He sends things my way that I would have never asked for, I never knew existed, and they come to me because God blesses me, and I give him all the glory for that. Amen. Let me give you a few quick announcements before we get out of here. Another thing about first principles, first Saturday night of the month, there we go, April 2nd, it's coming right up, 7 p.m., the first Saturday night of the month. Come into New Covenant, into this presence with God, come here with other believers and spend time with Him. It's just a time of music and prayer. It'll set your month straight, just like today will set your week straight. Throne room encounter can set your month straight, amen? We have a, a fun little married couples event called a skeet shoot. There might be some counseling there too, but there's going to be a skeet shoot for married couples. See me, my wife, or Beth and Luther, Luther Hensley for tickets. Today is the last day to sign up. It is a uh, uh, restricted event. So if you didn't buy a ticket, you can't go. All right. That's going to be on April 9th. The proceeds will support Lampasas Area Youth. Senior Sunday is coming up May 15th. If you're homeschooled, public schooled, if you're a senior and you're part of the New Covenant family, we'd like to honor you on Senior Sunday. Please let us know who you are so we can properly do that. And uh, lastly, Easter's coming right up. It's on April 17th. Y'all knew that already. If you are of the mind, consider going to first service on Easter because it's going to be crowded and you, our family, we know you're givers. We just learned about it. Give up your seat to somebody else who's going to be a visitor so they can be comfortable when they come in. And don't forget, there's parking over behind Golden Chick. God provided parking. We didn't pay for that. God provided that. That was part of his provision for us. Remember that? We put in a sidewalk. You won't get your Easter shoes muddy. No matter what happens, you can park over behind there walk over here. So just consider showing up to first service on Easter. Let me pray for you real quick. Father God, we believe in the principles of tithing. We believe in the principles of firsts. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will show up and show off in the lives of people who step out and test you in these principles. Father God, I thank you right now that your provision will be unbelievable. It will be unending, and it will be no problem to testify that God the Father did this for me because he showed up when nobody else could. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for listening to this week's message.